Welcome to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. Today, um, this this um, this message, even as I literally woke up this morning, this popped into my spirit. Um, I, I was thinking about the fact that obviously, if you're joining in with fasting and prayer, uh, that's that's a, a serious step of faith. I mean, to fast for 21 days and pray, uh, I'm I'm guessing. I don't know the statistics, but I'm guessing would probably put you in. Uh, a very high percentile of Christians that that would do something like that. Um, I've talked to Christians, even ones that I know are uh, pressing in, even ones in ministry, uh, and they're like, they can't even believe that we would do something like this. I mean, the look on their face is like, are you are you serious? Like you got you guys aren't eating for 21 days and praying, and so um, I would guess that. If you're participating in this, uh, you obviously are hungry for the things of God. You're obviously on fire for God and believing for breakthroughs, obviously. But um, I would say that that would put you uh, more on a a mature Christian level. But today, that's why I wanted to do this broadcast. Because five things that I've seen as I travel, being in the ministry for, now I've been in the ministry for uh, 21 years. And... um, Having been in the ministry for 21 years, you see a lot of things. And um, I've seen things that really hurt Christians, really hinder them from moving forward. And um, I want to cover the five of the biggest ones that I've encountered in 21 years of ministry. Um, because it's, it's a sad thing to see people that have so much potential. God has so much plan for them. Um, but they never fulfill their calling or their purpose because they make, sometimes they're simple mistakes, making simple mistakes. And so um, I want to cover these five with you today. That's why I said stop doing these five things immediately if you are. Now, they, they, they may not all apply to you. Some of them might. There might be people watching or listening. All of them apply to you, but it's going to help you. And I'm going to show you from the scripture um, why these are so dangerous and why you should stop doing them immediately because, uh, again, let me reinforce this. You are anointed. You are anointed. You have a call of God upon your life. There's a purpose for you to fulfill. There's no Christian in the body of Christ that is without purpose, without a call. Every one of us. Doesn't mean you have to be in the fivefold ministry, you don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be an evangelist, an apostle, a prophet, a teacher uh, in order to be anointed or in order to have a purpose. You are anointed. And again, put that in the comments first thing this morning. You are, say, I am anointed. I am anointed. I know the devil will try to make you feel like you're not. He'll try to make you feel like you're somehow subpar uh, or whatever, but that's a lie. That's a lie from hell. You're anointed. You're anointed. You say, how do you know? I I put this on the other day. How do you know I'm anointed? I was teaching in Bible study made simple. And I asked the same question. 
how, how, do you, how would you know I'm anointed? The reason I know, even if I've never met you, is that if you're a Christian, then you have the Holy Spirit sealing your salvation. And, he, and listen to me, whether or not you're baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, you have the Holy Ghost. Every Christian has the Holy Ghost sealing their salvation. Paul wrote to the Corinthians and said, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. So every believer, their body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not a Christian. You're not a Christian. And I don't mean if you don't speak in tongues, you're not a Christian. I mean if you, people say, well, I don't know, I've never had that experience. It's not an experience, it's salvation. It's salvation. Once you receive it, you receive the Holy Spirit. And if you'll remember, at the end of the Gospel of John, Jesus, after his resurrection, comes to his disciples. And what does he say to them after he breathes, or before he breathes upon them? He says, receive the Holy Ghost. And then he breathes upon his disciples. Well, you know, they didn't start speaking in tongues when he did that. They didn't start prophesying when he did that. That was their conversion after his resurrection. That was their conversion. Receive the Holy Ghost. And he breathed upon them. They didn't get filled with the Holy Ghost until after that on the day of Pentecost, but, uh, or baptized in the Holy Ghost, but they received the Holy Ghost at their conversion. So the reason I know you're anointed is because you are a Christian. You're part of the body of Christ. You ever think about this? How could you be in the body of Christ and not be anointed? Remember, Paul said that we are all parts or members of the same body. We make up one body, that's Jesus' body. How could you be in Jesus' body and not be anointed? You're in Christ's body and you are anointed. Don't ever let the devil lie you out of that fact. Try to make you feel like you're not anointed or that God can't use you. It's a lie from the devil, you're anointed. And so because you are, remember this, I know that there's people, they battle insecurity maybe because of uh, past experiences or whatever. And so sometimes the thought process because of insecurity is, you know, how could God use me? How could God use me? Look at who I am. Look at what I've dealt with. Look where I came from. I don't know if God could ever use me. Of course he can use you. Of course he can use you. And the devil will use those insecurities sometimes to keep you from stepping out into the things God's called you to do. And so it's important that even if you got to say this every day, multiple times a day, I am anointed. I am anointed. I am anointed. Say it if you got to say it. Say it if you have to say it. But because you are, so, you know, sometimes if people have a low view of themselves, even spiritually, they won't do the necessary things to move forward, right? They won't do the necessary things because they'll say, oh, what's the use? What's the use? I mean, I'm a nobody anyway. I don't, have the, I don't have what it takes anyway. So they won't do what's necessary to accomplish their purpose. But let me encourage you, you're anointed. So you should do everything necessary to accomplish the purpose God's placed on your life, to fulfill your call so that at the end of your life or when Jesus returns, you can say like Paul the apostle did, I have run my race, I have finished my course. 
That should be your goal. And so let me run through these five things today. I'll take you through the word, but just do a checklist. In fact, I was going to put this in the, in the title, but I, mean, I could put so many things in the title that would just run off, the, run off your phone screen. But I was going to put this in like this, a maturity checklist, a maturity checklist. Make sure these five things are not in your life. Make a checklist. And that's what I want you to do today while you're taking notes. I want you to make a checklist and say, is, can this be found anywhere in my life? And if it can, cut it out today. Cut that thing out of your life and don't let it play any part in your life or future. Amen, Brian. So number one, and this is a big one, and it's a sign of immaturity. It truly is a sign of immaturity. Um, put it in the comments. Number one, you are easily offended. If that's you, stop doing that today. That's a huge one. Easily offended. Nothing, nothing lets me know that somebody is an immature believer more quickly than when I see someone's easily offended. If I can see that people are easily offended, I say, man, he, he's got some growing up in the spirit to do. If, if one little, I'll look from somebody in church, I don't know who he, who was he looking at? I don't know what she's looking at. What, something someone says to you in the lobby, you know, one thing happens. Even if somebody speaks against you, I can tell when people are easily offended, that's a sign of immaturity. And it'll, it's something that will actually hinder you from accomplishing your purpose. And I'm going to show you how in just a moment. In fact, you can, if you will, uh, I know you're taking notes, putting it in the comments, even for those watching later, but turn to James chapter three, James chapter three. By the way, I don't know if you knew this or not. This is Jesus' brother that wrote this um, letter. It's James' letter, but it's the, uh, it's the brother of Jesus. And in the third chapter of this letter, something very interesting. Now, take note of what, how, it's, how James writes this, because it really, it should, I mean, alarm bells should go off in your spirit when you see how this is written, literally, because look at the way, look at the way he writes it. I'm gonna be reading to you verses 13 through 18. James chapter three, verses 13 through 18. Now, now listen carefully to this. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy, and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. Verse 15, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Demonic. Look at verse 16. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. We're going to come back to that. Verse 17, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Verse 18, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. You see that 
by those who do what? Make peace. Jump back up to the 16th verse and look at how uh, severe this warning is. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist. Notice that the thing that uh, he's encouraging at the beginning of this section is meekness, right? Show, Show his works in the meekness of wisdom. The meekness of wisdom. Do you know why people uh, are easily offended? They've allowed pride to creep in. That's why people get easily offended. It's pride. It's pride. And he's encouraging here the meekness of wisdom. Meekness. And notice, jealousy and selfish ambition. Those things come from pride. Well, I should have that. I don't know why he has that. I should have that. You know, pushing yourself above others. Selfish ambition. I want to be first. I want to be at the head of the table, the the way the disciples were acting when Jesus rebuked them, right? But notice, where those things exist, there will be disorder, but look at the next verse, or the next part of the verse, and every vile practice. So when you open the door like this to this form of pride that becomes easily offended, according to the Holy Spirit, it opens the door to every vile practice. That's why this is such a huge one, because once you allow this to operate in your life, then it opens the door to every vile practice. That's why if you look in that passage in Proverbs, the Bible says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall, right? Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So you, that blow, blows your mind to see. If I allow these things to creep in and then I start getting into bitter jealousy and, and uh, selfish ambition and all this, there's going to be disorder in my life. I don't want disorder. God does not work in disorder. Now, he'll bring disorder to your enemies, right? The Lord will bring disorder and confusion to your enemies, but you don't want it in your life. That's something that stops progress. Woo! Let me get that into your spirit. Disorder and confusion, those stop progress. I don't want anything stopping my progress. I don't want anything stopping your progress. Notice, when they came across from the east in the book of Genesis to build the Tower of Babel, I know you remember the the story of the Tower of Babel. We're going to build a tower into heaven. They were pagan people. These weren't people who feared the Lord. These were not those who were in covenant with God. These were pagans. And the Bible says, God looked at them and said, well, because they have unity, because they've all joined together as one, nothing that they propose will be impossible to them. They'll do anything they put their heart to do. God said that. So you know what he said? I'm going to go down there and confuse their languages. So the enemies of God, he brought confusion and disorder to their group. For what purpose? So that it would stop their progress. Did you get that? It would stop their progress. Again, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, if you've never read this passage, and I'm sure you have, three different armies united 
to come against Judah and Israel to kill them, to defeat them. But you remember the story, uh, the prophet gives a word and says, I want the praisers, I want Judah to go out first and begin to praise God and watch what happens. So the next day, they go out toward their enemy, praising God, singing, playing instruments, and the Lord went ahead of them. What did he do? Remember this, what did he do? He came into the camp of their enemies and confusion hit so that they started drawing their weapons and fighting one another as Israel was marching toward them. God went ahead of them and brought confusion and disorder into their camp. And what was the result of that? By the time they got to the lookout point, Israel, they looked down into the valley and all of their enemies were dead, all of them. Why? God brought confusion and disorder into the enemy camp. And so that's what the devil wants to do to you. He wants confusion and disorder in your life. And so he tries to engender pride, pride in, in your life. Tries to bring this, uh, uh, people getting easily offended. I'm easily offended. Stop getting easily offended. Meekness. You know what the Bible says, and I'll have to find this. I know it's in Colossians, I believe. But uh, the Bible actually tells us that we should, each one of us should make room, make room. I've, I've taught on this before for one another, one another's faults. Hmm. It's Colossians chapter three, verse 12 and 13. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. You see that? Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Woo! So add these to your life instead and watch how that easy offense steps out of your life. Put on what? Let's, let's list these now. Put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. Five things that'll keep you. Five things that'll keep you from this being easily offended. This is Colossians 3, verses 12 and 13. Put on, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord's forgiven you, so you must also forgive. You must also forgive. I'm reading to you from the ESV, but let me, um, for the sake of this passage, let me also read it to you um, in the New Living Translation. Because I want you to just see this, this the way that the translators uh, chose to translate it here. Um, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Look at verse 13. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. You see, see that? Make allowance for each other's faults. 
Just know ahead of time, people are going to make mistakes. Just know it. In fact, put it in the comments. People will make mistakes. People will say things they didn't mean. People are dealing, it may not even be you. People are dealing with their own stuff. And you might just catch the overflow of what somebody else is dealing with. What does the Bible say? Make allowance for one another's faults. That's talking about toward you, right? Because what do I care if somebody decides, I got to forgive them. I'm talking about when they interact with me, when they interact with you. Make allowance for one another's faults. Put on these five things. I like how the NLT said, tender-hearted mercy. Hallelujah. Make allowance for one another's faults. So if you create, now this is what I've um, encouraged the Victory Tribe to do in the past is if you'll create a buffer between you and others, knowing people are imperfect, people will make mistakes, they may say something to me they didn't mean, they might be upset from something else, they might be dealing with something else. They might be dealing with something else. That's why, can I tell you something? I, I will, uh, and this, this is just me, but if I'm at a restaurant, if I'm at a restaurant and, and even if I catch somebody that's got, you know, maybe they're, they're, they're not as attentive as they should be. Maybe they feel like they're, they're you know, uh, of course, we're, we're as joyful as possible at the table, but I don't, it, it might be bad service or they, they're just, they're cold or they're distant or they're, you know, whatever that might be. I don't, I don't go in there and then at the end tip less. I'm not that person. I'm not that person. I'll tip as I normally would tip because I found out people are dealing with stuff. People are dealing with stuff. I had a lady, we were out to eat one time, Carolyn and I, we were on our way to go see uh, uh, somebody and we were actually on our way to a meeting but we were stopping to see someone on the way. Stopped at this place to eat. There was a huge table of people behind us eating. Huge table. And they were ordering everything under the sun and they were, you know, as little class as anybody could have, that's what they had. And uh, probably half drunk, I mean, tons and tons of drinks on the table, eating a ton of food, huge. I'm talking about big table, eight to 10 people. And uh, our waitress was also serving their table. And so I'm, I'm watching, Carolyn's watching. Well, they, they get up, they pay the bill and Carolyn's watching too. And the waitress comes back and takes their bill after they've left the table and opens it up and you can just see her deflate. You can see her deflate as she opens up the, the check. And Carolyn knew, Carolyn knew, she was like, those classless people didn't even tip that girl. They, she knew it, she knew it. Now, if you got this stuff going on all day, who knows what somebody else is, has had to deal with before you got to the restaurant? Who knows, who knows, who knows if there's something going on at home or with their children or what, who knows what it is? Who knows what it is? And so um, we said, you know what we're going to do? We call, I think it was, I think it was the, uh, the, uh, bus, the bus kid that was doing the busing of the tables. Um, <laughs> we called him over. I said, they, Carol's like, they didn't tip her. He said, no, they didn't leave her a tip. They didn't leave her a tip, that big table. So well, give, us, give us their total. 
because we're going to tip. That's what we told him. Give us your total. We're going to tip her on their table and our table. You, you ought to have seen how she lit up after that. She lit up after that. Not only that, she said, she started talking to well, what do you guys do? What, what, you know, oh, I'm a preacher. Oh, you are. What's your website? How can I find your teaching and preaching? Let me tell you, that opened it up just like that. Just like that. Generosity. I, I know that people are dealing with things. I know that they've had to go through. We, I was with Pastor Brian Tomes one time. We went to like a TGI Fridays up, up in, uh, I can't remember where it's at, Lemonster. Somebody from up there can tell me where the Fridays is. But me, me and Pastor Brian went there one night late after service. And we got this young girl that was waiting on us. You know, she was kind of floating around, you know, whatever. But uh, when she came to our table, she said, what do you, what, what's, what's going on? What's your story? And she started telling us, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm dealing with. She opened right up. This is what, this is what I'm dealing with. And she was in school and uh, trying to finish her scars, but she, she basically told us and, and opened up, and we were already sitting there laughing because we felt a blesser. Um, what, what, she said, well, I'm just trying to work. I can't pay, I can't pay this, um, what do you call it, semester's tuitions. I said, oh, really? And so Pastor Brian and I broke out the, we broke out the money. He said, how much you need? We just started laying money down on the table. She freaked out. Are you serious? I said, oh, yeah, we're serious. We're going to bless you. We're going to take care of your uh, of what you owe, the extra you owe. And I'm going to tell you, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, Charlie said, uh, Pastor Brian would minister in the kitchen at DJ Fridays. They called him the Rev. Yeah, and we went right in. And we blessed this girl. Let me tell you, that opens people up to the gospel, to the love of Christ. People go through things. Not every, listen, not, and you know this, not everybody's going to be on their A game 24-7 all the time. People will be dealing with stuff. You, you might have a brother, sister in Christ. The enemy's been attacking them. What does the Bible say? Make allowance. They may say something they didn't mean. They may get into a, an attitude, a mood, whatever. They may even treat you, and it has nothing to do with you. Even if it did have something to do with you, what does the Bible say? Make allowance for one another's faults. Put on, hallelujah, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, and watch what happens. God will bless you for it. Don't allow yourself to become easily offended because here's what ends up happening, okay? The next thing is that you step out of walking in love, and there is the major issue because the Bible says God is love, right? God is love. The moment you step out of love, you're stepping out of God. Hmm. The moment you step out of love, you're stepping out of God. Faith works by love. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6. Faith works by love. So if you step out of love, you're stepping out of faith. Woo! And without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if I'm allowing myself to step out of God and step out of faith because I can get easily offended and then I stop walking in love, that's a mistake that's going to cost me my future. Because how am I going to move forward in my calling, in my purpose, in, my, in what I'm supposed to be doing if I'm outside of faith? Faith works by love. God is love. And so I got to walk in love if I'm going to walk in faith, if I'm going to walk in power, if I'm going to walk and see my fulfillment of my calling, my purpose. Got to stay in love. Make allowance for one another's faults. Sometimes people say things they don't mean. Sometimes they say things they didn't think through, whatever it might be. 
but you don't stop loving a person. You don't stop. No, you make allowance. People will make mistakes. And then you keep on loving them and you move forward. That will ensure, you know, it's interesting. Everybody loves to quote Mark chapter 11, verses 23 and 24, right? And we get into that and we start talking about the power of prayer and confession and whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, you shall have them. We always stop at verse 24. But did you know that there's another portion of that that Jesus continued on with in the midst of talking about faith-filled prayers and faith-filled confession? And people always love to stop right before how Jesus finished. Well, how did Jesus finish? He said, okay, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you'll receive them, you shall have them. But then what? Verse 25 is also there. And whenever you stand praying, forgive, forgive. If you have anything against anyone so that your father who's also in heaven may forgive your trespasses. So notice he said, if you're gonna pray, If you're going to believe me for miracles, if you're going to ask me to do the impossible, when you're praying, also forgive anybody that you have anything against so that I can forgive. Whoa, it goes together. That's the context. It goes together. When you stand praying, forgive. It's walking in love. Walking in love. That love walk opens the door to miracles. Opens the door to the impossible. The love walk does. The love walk does. Thank you, Jesus. Brother Hagin used to teach a lot on this. Talking about how the the love walk opens the door to faith in operation, to miracles, power of God in operation. Why? God is love. Faith works by love. You got to stay in love. Amen. So number one, don't become easily offended. Cut that out of your life right now. Cut that out right now. An immature Christian is always easily offended. A mature Christian walks in love No matter, you know, anybody can walk in love when everybody's treating you right. But can you walk in love when people are talking about you behind your back, treating you poorly? Can you still walk in love in those moments? That's number one. Stop doing this immediately. Stop becoming easily offended. Number two, stop missing the voice of the Holy Spirit. Oh, man. Carolyn and I sit back and just sometimes we kind of shake our heads because people, they find themselves in, uh, and we're standing with them. You know, we're praying, believing, you know, asking God to help them. But uh, then you hear what they say. I knew I shouldn't have done that. I knew I shouldn't have gone there. I knew I shouldn't have gotten involved in that. I knew in my spirit I shouldn't have done that. What are you doing? You're missing the voice of the Holy Spirit. It ends in tragedy. It ends in tragedy. Immature believers do whatever they feel like doing. Mature believers do what the Holy Spirit is leading them to do. Let me say that again. It'll help you. Immature believers do whatever they feel like doing, led by their feelings, led by their emotions. Mature believers do what the Holy Spirit is leading them to do. They don't just do what the Bible says, and you should always do what the Bible says, first and foremost. But... uh, The Lord didn't just give us the written word. He said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit who will lead you and guide you into all truth. Romans chapter 8 and verse 14 says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You can be led by the Spirit of God. And so number two, stop missing the voice of the Holy Spirit. Stop making decisions without asking the Holy Spirit for direction. 
And you hear it. I've heard it so, in 21 years. I've heard it so many times. I knew I shouldn't have done that. I had this feeling in my spirit like I shouldn't got involved with them. I shouldn't have done that business deal. I shouldn't have gone. I hear that all the time. I hear it all the time. Don't, don't be the person who's missing the voice of the Holy Spirit all the time. That's the whole reason that uh, the Lord sent us the Holy Spirit is so that he could lead us and guide us into all truth. We're led by the Spirit of God. And you've got to be led by the Spirit. And I'm going to tell you, if you'll live a life that is led by the Spirit of God, he, t- he leads you from victory unto victory. Faith unto faith. Favor unto favor. Right? Don't miss the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you, that's my prayer. And that's why we fast and pray. One of the reasons we're in the midst of fasting and prayer one of the reasons, not the only reason, it's one of the reasons, is that we want to receive divine direction for 2023. I want to know, Holy Spirit, what do you want to, uh, me to do in 2023? And I want to know specifically, what are my next steps? Lead me and guide me. What are my next steps, Lord? And um, I'm getting it. I mean, as we're, 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 now we're in the third week of the fast, but I'm hearing the Holy Spirit is giving us direction for Miracle Word Ministries and Miracle Word Church. We're, he's giving us direction. And we're going to walk out by faith the direction the Holy Spirit is giving us. It's one thing to hear it from him. It's another thing to do it. No, it's not only fasting with water. Uh, we're, we're drinking liquids. So, any liquids. But I don't want to miss the voice of the Holy Spirit because... He'll guide me into where he's called me to be, and I want to hear it. I want to hear it. You know, the Bible says in Isaiah 50, I quote this all the time, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, God said, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So what does that mean? Because God is omniscient, he knows all things, including the end from the beginning, I'm I'm going through life with a finite, limited mind. So if I just try to make plans for myself with my own limited knowledge, it will, I mean, it may work, may not work. You never know. But if you'll follow the voice of the Holy Spirit, the Lord will lead you. Can I give you an encouraging verse from the book of Isaiah? And this is how the Holy Spirit works. Isaiah 48 and verse 17 Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Now listen to what he says. I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit and leads you in the way you should go. Right? He leads you in the way that you should go. That's the power of the Spirit's leading. There's a way you should go. And he leads you in that way. He leads you in that way. If we miss the voice of the Holy Spirit, what a a mistake, what a a loss to have access to a, a heavenly guidance system that can always take us in the way we should go, but we miss it. We miss his voice. And a lot of times, and that's why we're in the, another reason we're fasting and praying is that one of the reasons people miss his voice is because 
their flesh is too strong. I talked about this last night. Their flesh is too strong. They're living in a carnal place rather than in a spiritual place. Their spirit is, is of course, saved, but they are missing the leading of the spirit because their flesh is ruling their life, controlling their life. It's so strong. As I told you, F.F. Uh, F. Bosworth said this, most Christians feed their bodies three hot meals a day and their spirit gets one cold snack a week and they wonder why they're so weak in faith. Well, you can't feed your body and strengthen your body. And most Christians are more worried about getting all their meals in and getting to the gym and strengthening their body than they are about prayer, praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in their known language, fasting, all these things to sharpen your spirit and to get you sensitive to the voice of the Lord. And so they miss the instructions of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to miss any. I don't want to miss any. Amen, Brian. I don't want to miss any. And so number two, don't, don't miss the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's a massive mistake. Be sensitive. That's why it, it's not a bad idea. And we did this at our, uh, our last church with my uncle, Pastor Terry Shuttlesworth. It's not a bad idea to, you know, spend a few days each month fasting and praying. We used to do three days every month, which if you think about it, that's 36 days a year. That's a tithe of your year in fasting and prayer. So we would take once a month, we would take Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and we would fast and pray. And we would seek the face of God. It's not a bad idea. It keeps, your, uh, keeps you in the place of position to hear God's voice, sensitive to the spirit. Number three. So let me go, go further with this then. Uh, the third mistake I see Christians make that hurts them is deprioritizing disciplines, Christian disciplines, deprioritizing disciplines, Christian disciplines is what I'm talking about. So what am I, what do I mean? I'm talking about reading the word, I'm talking about prayer, fasting would be included. I'm talking about faithfulness to church, right? I'm talking about all the things, talking to people about Jesus. I'm talking about the disciplines of a Christian life, giving, giving. And when you deprioritize these things, it's a massive mistake. So what, what ends up happening to you? Well, God gave us these things to assist us in what he's called us to do. We don't, they're, remember, they're not just disciplines. Although you have to discipline yourself to do them, they're not just non-spiritual disciplines. We're not monks, right? We are spiritual people. So I, I can't tell you how many broadcasts I've done talking about the power of the word, what's in the word for you. There's wisdom, there's strength, there's joy, there's healing, there's prosperity. All these things come out of the word. When you don't feed yourself the word of God, your faith begins to wane. Your, your, your faith can wane. People don't know that. Your boldness can wane. People don't know that. But as you're pushing back against the spirit of this world, see, remember, it's not like you set a faith level and then you never have to maintain it and grow further. Because remember, you're constantly being fed something on a daily basis. And it's multiple times a day, all day long. You're constantly being fed something. So if you stop eating one thing and start eating another, it's going to change the consistency of your life. No, almost nobody teaches this. But remember, you said, did, I'll give you an example in the Bible where it happened very quickly, very quickly. Remember when Peter was uh, in the boat during the storm and Jesus comes walking on the water 
And Peter says, I think it's the Lord. Lord, if it's really you, command me to come out to you. And Jesus said, come. And out comes Peter. Are you going to tell me he wasn't in faith in that moment? Are you going to tell me Peter was not in faith when he swung his legs over the side of the boat in a storm and stepped out on the water? Of course he was in faith. Of course he was in faith. To step out to do the impossible, yeah, he was in faith. But what happened? Notice as he's walking, he's still being fed things. He's got his eyes on Jesus, so faith continues. But then what happened? Took his eyes off of Jesus and started looking at the storm, started looking at the wind and the waves. What happened? That story started feeding his spirit. And what happened? He started to gain faith in the power of the storm. Oh my Lord, what was I doing? Stepping out of that boat and out onto the ocean. Look at these waves. Look at the wind. And the Bible says, and as he started doing that, he began to sink. He began to sink. So notice that even though he had faith, and that's a high level of faith, man. That's a high level of faith to step out of a boat in the midst of a storm that could kill you and and just step your feet down on the water. That's a massive level of faith. So you can't tell me he wasn't in faith. But then as he's walking, he starts to ingest other things, other data, stuff that's around him. And what happened? Caused his faith to diminish and he began to lose, he began to sink. That happens to people every day because you know what they do? They hear what people are talking about at work. They watch the news. They scroll their Twitter feed and Facebook feed. They see what's going on in the government. They hear what's going on in the economy. They hear that the, they see gas prices going up. They see interest rates going up. And what happens? What happens? If you don't keep feeding yourself from the word of God, If you don't keep feeding yourself through preaching and teaching, if you don't keep praying, building yourself up on your most holy faith, then your faith begins to diminish. And you start to have faith in the natural realm versus faith in the spirit. We walk by faith and not by sight. Peter started walking by sight and he sank. Put it in the comments. This will help you. If you walk by sight, you'll sink. Put it in the comments today. Put it in your notes. Put it in your Bible. If you walk by sight, you'll sink. No question. If you walk by sight, you'll sink. If you walk by faith, you'll fly. If you walk by sight, you'll sink. Hallelujah. If you walk by faith, you'll fly. If you walk by sight, you'll sink. That's why it's so important that you prioritize your Christian disciplines. I've got to be in the word. I got to be in prayer. I have to spend some time fasting. I got to be in church. I got to listen to the word being preached. I need to be faithful to the house of God. I got to be giving. I got to be telling people about Jesus. If I walk by faith, I'll fly. If I walk by sight, I'll sink. There's no question about that. No question about that. I'm going to say it again, man. This gets you, get it in your spirit. If I walk by faith, I'll fly. If I walk by sight, I'll sink. Hallelujah. I refuse to sink in 2023 in Jesus' name. I refuse to sink in the remainder of my ministry, in the remainder of my life in Jesus' name. I will not diminish. We're not called to diminish. No, we're trees planted by the water, bearing fruit in our season. Uh, Our leaves will never what? Wither and will prosper in all we do. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. My leaves will not wither. That means I'm not called to diminish. I'm not called to diminish. 
I'm not called to diminish, neither are you. That's not your story. That's not your story. I refuse to sink in Jesus' name. I will fly through my year. I will fly by faith through my year in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. That ought to make you shout. That ought to make you shout. I will fly through my year in Jesus' name. I'll not sink. I refuse to diminish. That's not what we're called to as the victory tribe in Jesus' name. So don't deprioritize those disciplines. Number four, if this is in your life, get it out. Stop moving slowly. Stop moving slowly. If God told you to do something, I I see this a lot, don't take forever to do it. If God speaks to you, do it. I don't care. I don't care how big it may seem. Start. Start immediately. Go after it. Take steps. Go after it. I love it. I'm, I'm looking at the Burtons in the comments. The Lord spoke to them. The Lord spoke to them. And we had to even let them know. They called us, said, we don't know why. The Lord's bringing us to West Palm Beach area of Florida and all this. And, and Carolyn and I already knew. The Lord had already spoken to us. We hadn't announced it yet. <clears throat> but the Lord told us we're going to launch a church in West Palm Beach. And uh, nobody knew that, but their spirit was leading them to West Palm Beach. So I said, we got to tell them. We obviously got to tell them they're selling their house. They're moving their whole, you know, everything's. And we told them, well, notice it's not like the Lord spoke to the Burtons and said, I want you to get to West Palm Beach. And it's, you know, 10 years from now, they're going to still be making plans to get down. They move in today. It's Monday. They're moving in today. It's move-in day. And by the way, congratulations, Jared and Jess Burton, on your arrival to West Palm Beach, Florida. They're moving in today. Somebody congratulate them on their step of faith. Moving forward by faith. It's not 10 years from now and they're still talking about it. Well, we got a word from the Lord. We got a word from the Lord to come to West Palm Beach. And, you know, I believe God's going to open that door one day. You know, you you hear people say that. Jessica said, we're here, we're at Publix getting groceries. I love it. Congratulations. People say, you know, well, you know, I got to work. The Lord spoke to me about that. And I just believe, I just believe one day he's going to open that door. No, no. Do, take active steps to do what the Lord's told you to do. Can I give you an encouraging word? And there's others, people, that, that, that the Lord's spoken to you to move to West Palm Beach. Because you know the church is opening up and the Lord's already spoken to you. Take steps. Whatever steps those are for you by faith, to do what the Lord's told you to do. But can I give you something that'll, that'll strengthen you from the word? Joshua chapter three. They were at the midst of the Jordan River during the harvest season, and it was a rushing mighty river. There's no way to cross that. They had no ferry, they had no boat, they had no bridge. There's no way to do it in the natural. They had to cross the whole nation of Israel. Um, and here they are. And the Lord said, tomorrow... He said, consecrate yourself for tomorrow. The Lord's going to do wonders among you. And then he gives him instructions. Let the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant go out ahead of you. That's a picture of the Holy Spirit carrying the anointing. And he said, let him go out ahead of you for you've not been this way before. You'll know which way to go. And the Bible said the next day when they went out, when they went out and their feet touched the brink of the water, the, the feet of the priests, watch, they didn't have to get out in the middle of the river before God started moving. As soon as they obeyed, as soon as their feet just touched a little bit of water on the banks, the Bible said the miracle started and the waters parted and started flowing in the other direction and that all that was left was dry ground in the middle. 
Woo, glory to God. That means that as soon as they began obeying, as soon as they began obeying, guess what happened? Miracles. God just wants to see, I've got people that will move quickly at my instruction and obey me. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Amen. Quickly. See, stop, stop moving slowly. Don't move. If God gives you an instruction, go after it. Go after it. The blessing, the miracle's in the move. The miracle is in the move. Obedience is better than sacrifice. God wants to see you obeying the instruction that he put in your heart. That's faith. Faith doesn't say, well, I'll move when God puts everything in place. It takes no faith to do that. If God put every piece in place for you, set everything up, and all you, all you had to do was just kind of what? That, that doesn't take faith. It takes faith to do it when you're like, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I'm just going to do what the Lord said. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know where. <laughs> but I'm just going to do what the Lord said. Oh, yeah. The miracle's in the move. So number four, stop moving slowly. Stop moving slowly. And then number, oh, so let me go back through these. Number one, don't be easily offended. Number two, stop missing the voice of the Holy Spirit. Number three, stop deprioritizing the disciplines, Christian disciplines. Number four, stop moving slowly. And then number five, number five, before we pray, stop coasting outside of faith, maintenance mode. Stop coasting through life outside of faith. See what I mean? Everything you do has to take faith. So don't coast through life outside of faith in every area. In every area, the things that you do should take faith. If my wife and I, see, because let me explain how this works in a believer's life. You're always growing. If you're, if you're living for Christ and you're obeying, you're always growing. Everything's increasing. Your faith is increasing. Your wisdom and knowledge are increasing. Your maturity's increasing. Your blessing's increasing. Your productivity's increasing. All of it's increasing. So as it's growing, remember this, and please keep this in mind. What used to take a lot of faith for you to do, now won't take as much faith. And you'll get to the place where it doesn't hardly take any faith. Doesn't hardly take any faith, right? And so, you know, once that hits, then you have to believe God for greater things to do in faith or by faith, greater production level greater fruit production, because what'll happen is you can grow and get to a place where, man, this used to take a lot of faith for me to accomplish and believe for this. Now it seems like it very easily comes because I've grown in faith, I've grown in, in blessing, grown in love. And so it doesn't take faith like that anymore. But, but now I got to push for higher. That takes faith to push for more, push for more. You know, when I first started this ministry with my wife and we started traveling and believing God, do you know where our faith was set? Our faith was like, Lord, we're like starting out in the ministry and we don't really have any uh, connections. Nobody's inviting us to even come preach. You know what our faith had to be on? Our faith had to be, Lord, please let give us meetings to go, go to. Give us meetings. We fasted and prayed. Lord, open the doors for us. Open the doors for us. You know, we were believing God to just have enough meetings to live, to pay our bills, you know. When we first started out, we were young, in my 20s. I was like, Lord, you know, open the doors. Give me, give me opportunities. I pray that you bring the blessing in, that we could, you know, even pay our payments. 
Well, that takes faith. When you start out, nobody knows who you are and there's no invitations on the table, but you blindly step out by faith because the Lord told you to. It took faith to do that. But there comes a time where that, that, doesn't, that doesn't take faith anymore in, in that way. And what I mean by that is, you know, now, uh, let's say now, 20 years later, I, I, don't, I don't have to exert my faith. I don't have to exert my faith for meetings to come in or to pay my bills. I don't have to exert faith for that because now we've grown. Things have grown, right? And, and our faith has produced. So now, I mean, there's, we have more meetings uh, requests come in than we can take. And so we have to, there's some that we just can't make it. We can't go there. Right? So, so it's not that if I was still 20 years later saying, God, open the door for meetings, open the door for opportunities so that I can go preach and so that we can pay our bills, something's wrong. If 20 years later, I'm still at the same level of faith, something's wrong. But back then, remember, I was only believing for my wife and I, I was only, we didn't even have kids. I was just believing for us, for our mortgage to be paid, car payments, whatever, insurance, all that. I was only believing for us. Well, now we, we look 20-some years later, we've got a full staff, everybody being paid full-time. We've got proper, you know, properties we're renting, all this, all this stuff, all, all the things we're doing on television around the world, paying that. You know, so, so now the faith had to increase because now we're not just believing for us. Now, we're, this ministry is providing for the staff that are, that are working with us, providing for the places we have, the studio, the equipment, being on television, feeding the hungry around the world, all those things, it increased. But even this level, even this level with the staff that we have and the places we have and the ministries we have and all that, even this level can get to a place, I'm just giving you myself as an example so you see what I mean, even this level will get to a place where it doesn't take the same level of faith as it used to, to accomplish this. Doesn't take that, because God's blessed us and continues to increase us, doesn't take the same level of faith. So you got to go and say, Lord, what's your next instruction? What are we pushing for now at the larger level to please you and to make an impact for the kingdom by faith? And then the Lord spoke to us last year, launch Miracle Word Church. Well, that's going to take a lot of faith. You know, I told my wife, I said, the Lord spoke to us and she knew we've been mulling this over. I was like, West Palm Beach, I've never even held a revival there. I think in all the years I've ministered, I've done two one night services in West Palm Beach. That's it. So literally, I'm not taking over a church. I'm not going through and somebody says, we need a pastor. We are launching from nothing. And it's never nothing if you're in the spirit because God has everything. But literally to go up and in the natural realm, you say, how's that going to work? You don't know anybody there. You've never preached there. You have no connections there, whatever. It looks like nothing. But let me tell you, it's another level of faith. Because this level, it took us time to get to this level. But now we're going to another level, which takes another level of faith, which is pleasing to God when you obey his instructions. God's never going to give you an instruction that doesn't take faith. Why would God give you an instruction of something that's so small you could do it on your own with no help from him? That doesn't bring him glory. That doesn't bring him honor. He doesn't get the praise. Why would God give you an instruction to do something so small that you don't need his help? He's not going to do that. So don't coast through your life. I'll go a step further. Even with your giving, let me explain to you how it worked with our giving. That's why we made those goals that I always talk to you about. About every year, Lord, we will sow the largest seeds we've ever sown uh, cumulatively and one-time offerings. Cumulatively and one-time offerings. And you say, well, what do you mean? Why, why do you do that? So that my faith's always increasing. So that it always takes faith. I can tell you, 
I can remember, I can remember the days when it was faith. It took faith for me to give $100 in an offering. I remember clearly. It's like, man, 100 bucks, I'm, I'm going to do it. You know, the Lord, I, I'm going to do it. The Lord's speaking to me to do it. And, and it was significant to me then, but it's not now. It's not now. But I remember. Oh, man, do I remember. My wife and I, uh, we were newly married, and um, my uncle, uh, Pastor Terry Shuttlesworth, had Dr. Leroy Thompson come to Dominion Christian Center in Virginia Beach. Oh, we were excited. We loved his ministry, loved his teaching. And uh, he's not dead. He's still alive preaching and teaching in Louisiana. But he was coming for a, for a service. And um, he was preaching. And I mean, faith was in the room. Faith was in the room. And I can remember this one of the first times ever that when he gave the challenge to sow, the Lord spoke to us to sow a $1,000 seed. $1,000 seed. We'd, I mean, that was, that was a big deal. That was a very big deal. And we were like, man, but we're going to do it. The Lord is speaking to us to do it. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. And it was a stretch. But notice, that's pleasing to God. It takes faith, if it takes faith to do it, that's pleasing to God. And so I was like, yeah, let's step out. Well, I can remember, and even as we launched out into ministry, there were times we'd sown, and it was, it was like, okay, the Lord's telling us again, sow $1,000. And I can remember all those times we sowed 1000 and it was like, man, that's faith. It takes a lot of faith. It takes a lot of faith. It takes a lot of faith. But God kept blessing us. Why? As the seeds get larger, the harvest gets larger right? As the seed, put that in the comments because this is helping somebody right now. Put it in the comments. As the seed gets larger, the harvest is getting larger. As the seed gets larger, the harvest gets larger. So I can remember, my Lord, and thank you, Brian, for sowing. Um, $1,000. I thought it was like, but then I remember, and this was a weird feeling. I can remember how weird it was looking back and my wife and I talking and being like, you know what? Uh, $1,000 to sow doesn't take the same faith that it used to take. What a weird feeling to us. What a weird feeling to us to look back and say, man, this used to take all the faith in the world. It used to take all the faith in the world, but it doesn't, it doesn't take the same amount of faith that it used to. Why? God's increased us. God's blessed us. And then if you remember me telling the story, we were getting ready to hold our first tent crusade ever. And um, the Lord spoke to my wife and I and said, I want you to sow, and I want you to sow uh, everything you have. Well, when we added it all up, it was about $5,000. Well, that was all we had in savings, money market, you know, everything, checking. And we put it all together. Oh, man, can I tell you? I, and I wasn't scared. I got excited, as you've heard me tell the story. But man, notice what was happening. God was moving us beyond a $1,000 seed moving us beyond a $1,000 seed. And now, it, what, what, was, what was activating our faith now? A $5,000 seed. There were times in between. We sowed $2,500, $2,000. Uh, it took faith. It took faith. As the seed gets larger, the harvest gets larger. But man, God, God spoke to us to go to the next level of faith, and we stepped out. We stepped out. I remember it very clearly. We stepped out. Well, God continued to increase us. And I remember one day we were, this is, this is amazing. I remember the first time it happened like this in one day. I remember where we were, Buffalo, New York. We were in Buffalo, New York in a meeting uh, with my father. And um, 
I was preparing for the night service. And as I was preparing for the night service, my wife and I were going back and forth. And it just so happened that like boom, 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 just like that, four times, boom, 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 boom. Uh, that day, we had four opportunities. We stepped out and sewed. And um, it was each one, I believe, if Carolyn's on, she can correct me if I'm wrong, but each one of those offerings we sowed in one day were $2,500 seeds, four times. We sowed $10,000 in that one day. And I remember thinking, and I was like, my God, I remember when 1,000 was big to release. I mean, $1,000, it was big. But then something happened and God increased us through our obedience and faithfulness and diligence to the kingdom. And all of a sudden, boom, 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 boom. In one day, as I'm getting ready for church, we weren't even in a service. Think about that. We weren't even in a church service. I was in the bathroom of the place getting ready. She was in the bedroom. And digitally, I think obviously through our phones or whatever, out it went. One, two, three, four. And $10,000 we sowed in one afternoon. And I was like, man, look at the increase. Look at the increase that what used to seem impossible is now the possible. It takes faith, but it's possible. It used to be, and I remember, I mean, to, to think even about sowing $2,500 back when I was, it took faith for me to give a $100 offering. It, you look at $2,500, you're like, that's impossible. That's, uh, and in that moment, it might have been. But it's not always going to be impossible. And as I've said to you, God's, the hand of God is on this ministry. I'm going to sow a million-dollar offering before it's done. And I'm sure if the Lord tarries, we'll go beyond that. But I'm going to give a million, in one offering, in one offering, either by check or whatever digital way by that time is, is available, I'm going to sow it. And we're going to put a million dollars in the kingdom of God. A million-dollar offering. No question. No question. God continues to increase us every year. We just got done sowing the largest seed we've ever sown. And it blew all these other ones that I'm telling you about away. Blew it away. Why? We're believing for the biggest harvest we've ever believed for. That's right, Denise. Buffalo Dream Center. Pastor Eric Johns. And so, uh, sowed the biggest seed. Why? Believing for the biggest harvest we've ever had. Hallelujah. Believing for the biggest harvest we've ever had. And we're about to have it. And it's already begun. We're about to have it. It's already begun. Don't let your faith coast. This is why I tell people, stay introspective about your life. Stay introspective. Always be checking. Does this, ask yourself this question. Does this still take faith? In fact, write that question in the comments. Last thing I'll have you write today. Put in the comments. Does this still take faith? Ask yourself. Be introspective. Does this still take faith for me to do? You have to ask. Otherwise, things become easy. People keep doing the same thing. I always, not because I'm judging, but I just, I know what's going on. I laugh. I see people, the, the offering's getting ready to be taken. I see people, you know, they open up their wallet or they open up their purse and take out a $10 bill and drop it in as the thing goes by. I, I know, I know because you just took it out of a Louis Vuitton bag. I know that that $10 offering, it didn't do anything for you and didn't do anything for God. Ask yourself, does this still, why would I do something for God that doesn't take any faith? I'm not gonna do that. Only faith pleases God. Hebrews eleven six. 6. 
the Bible says that uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And those that come to God must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Well, faith diligently seeks him. I'm not going to do something that doesn't take faith. So I have to stay introspective. I have to be looking in, say, hold on a second. Where am I at in life? Hold on. Where am I in life? I'll ask this to myself about my giving. I'll say, look at the way I'm living. Maybe I will have you write one more thing in the comments because people need to ask this question. Does my giving match my living? Man, let that just seep into your spirit. Does my giving match my living? Has God blessed you to a degree and that you back off, then you back off on your diligence? Like I just made the, you know, people, you just pulled, I don't care if it's $100, you just pulled a $100 offering out of a $5,000 purse. <laughs> let, me, let me just say that again. You just pulled a $100 offering out of a $5,000 Louis Vuitton bag. Does my giving match my living? Am I sitting here in church in a custom-made suit with Italian leather dress shoes on and putting $50 on a credit card in an offering plate? You better believe not. Does my giving match my living? It'll be a cold day in hell before I prioritize me above God. It'll be a cold day in hell when I've got the car that I want and the house that I want and the clothes that I want and God gets the leftovers, a cold day in hell. God can have it all. God can have it all. And he knows. And, and, and you, you know, you can put, did you know you can put safeguards in place? You can put safeguards in place. And let me tell you what I mean by that. Uh, I'll give you two safeguards my wife and I put in place. Two safeguards. Not the first safeguard is this. Uh, I've already mentioned it in this broadcast. In 2023, we will give more to the kingdom than we did in 2022. That's a safeguard. So that we don't go backwards. So that we don't go backwards. We will not go backwards in our giving. So that's a safeguard. We say that's a law for us. That's a law. Now, that's, that's not a biblical law. Although the Bible teaches never-ending increase, we made that so that we are doing more in faith. Number two, same, you've heard me say it, we will also give the largest one-time offering in 2023 that we've ever given. That's a safeguard. It's a safeguard so that I'm not going backwards. I refuse to go backwards. Many of you have heard of Dr. Lester Summerall. Dr. Summerall so believed in not going backwards, he wouldn't even put his car in reverse. People don't know that. Dr. Summerall wouldn't even put his car in reverse because he said faith always goes forward. It doesn't go backwards. So he built his garage at his house so that he could put two doors with a, with a semicircle. He could pull in one and go forward and pull out the other, still going forward. And I've heard the stories that if he was somewhere, like at a parking lot or something, where somebody parked in front of him and he couldn't get out of the parking space without backing up, he'd get out of the car, have one of his staff members come over and say, back my car out of the driveway or back my car out of the spot. Faith doesn't go backwards, it only moves forwards would not put his car in reverse. Faith doesn't go backwards, it only moves forwards. And I feel the same. I'm not going to go 
backwards in my giving, in my living. So what do I do? I'm going to give more this year than we've ever given and the biggest one-time seed. Here's a third safeguard to help you. Write them down. Put them in the comments. Third safeguard to help you. My wife and I have made this a safeguard for us. I will never do more for myself or for her or for the kids, for that matter, than we've done for God. If we've not done it for God, we're not doing it for us. So what do you mean by that? Why would I spend and and go buy her something that cost $1,000 if I've never given God $1,000? Why would I do that? Why would I go buy something for myself that costs $5,000 if I've never given God $5,000? Why would I do that? Why would I do that? Even this year, I'll tell you, this year after my 40th birthday, um, I went out and I was finally blessed and, and given the ability. And I, of course, if you know me, you know I like watches. If you know me, you know I like watches. Well, I was blessed. I was able to go out and buy a, a really nice watch that was a watch that I've wanted for a long time, uh, a watch that I've looked at and loved, my favorite one, bought it this year. But notice, I would not have been able to buy it earlier in life with this safeguard in place. Because even though I spent a lot of my own money on that watch, I've already given God far more than that. I've given God far more than that. If I hadn't given God more than that, then my safeguard would not have allowed me to buy that for myself. I don't care how much I wanted it. I don't care how nice it was. I don't care that it was one. Oh man, I love that. Doesn't matter how much I like it. Why would, you know what that, just, just to show you, this is me saying to God, if I were to go out and buy that watch, and cost all that money, but I had never given God that much money in an offering. You know what that is? That's me saying to God, Lord, this watch is, is, means more to me than your kingdom. This watch, this piece of jewelry means more to me than your purpose, your plan on the earth. Glory to God. Glory to God. And see, God knows that I operate in that way. God knows that you operate in that way if you do. And you know what will happen when that happens is that God will make a way so that you don't have to pull money out of savings to do something like that. I didn't pull any money out of savings, but I was blessed with the money to do that. Blessed with the money to do that because God knows and he knows the desires of your heart. He knows what you like, but make a put a safeguard in place, put a safeguard in place and say, Lord, I'll never do more for myself or my spouse or my kids than I've done for you. And I, I mean that. I really mean that. Towards like, you know what? I'll put things on hold. If I have never, you know, can you, you know what I mean? Like, if I have never gone to this level in the kingdom, why would I go to this level in my, in my living? But at the same time, uh, check yourself before you riggedy wreck yourself. No, check yourself uh, and say, does my giving match my living? Don't pull a $100 offering out of a $5,000 purse, ladies. And I'm just talking about the principle. Don't walk your $100 offering to the altar in $1,000 heels. Woo, it's getting real in the comments section. I'm serious. Don't walk your $50 offering 
men to the altar in a $900 suit. Does your giving match your living? If God's blessed you, then he's blessed you to be a blessing. Huh. People come in and and listen, I don't even have a church yet. So you know I'm not saying this because I'm about to accept your tithes. But but hear, hear what I'm saying. Hear what I'm saying. Don't go, don't, don't go to the altar with a $100 offering, and when church is released, you put your $500 sunglasses on and go down to the restaurant to have a $400 dinner. Do what takes faith. It's, t- it's right, Brian, it's time to step it up. It's time to step it up. I'm just giving you safeguards. I'm giving you principles. This is not me uh, condemning any. I don't even know what you give. I don't know what you give. I don't know the ratio to what you have. I don't know any of that. I don't know how much faith it takes for you to do it because I don't know everybody's circumstance. I'm just showing you this will, this will keep you blessed. You'll remain blessed. You'll remain blessed. Does my giving match my living? And I love you. The reason I'm telling you these things, I want to see you flourish and you will flourish in Jesus' name. I want to see you flourish. You will flourish in Jesus' name. The faithful will flourish in the mighty name of Jesus. So don't coast in faith. Don't maintain. Check yourself. Have I increased? Is this still taking faith for me? Does my giving match my living? Right. And God will bless you. Put him first. He'll put you first. Put him first. He'll put you first. Let me pray. Father, I pray for every person watching and listening. In the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you that not one of these pitfalls will take us out of what you've called us to do or who you've called us to be. Lord, today I'm praying as we start this third week of the fast, I'm praying for the victory tribe. I ask you, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you would increase their faith. I pray that you'd increase their impact. I pray that you would use them mightily in their calling and their purpose. Let this be the most fruitful year they've ever had in the history of their Christianity in Jesus' name. Open doors for them, I ask you. I thank you, Jesus, that you have the key of David in your hand. And when you open doors, no man can shut them. When you close doors, no one can open them. And so, Lord, we ask you, open unopenable doors for us this year. Make a way where there was no way. Make every crooked place straight. Let us run with momentum. Blow your breath upon us in Jesus' name. Give us a fresh wind of the Spirit and let a strength come upon us like we've never felt. Let the fire of your Holy Spirit burn in our hearts to do more for the kingdom than we've ever done in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. And we thank you that as we do, you'll get all the glory, you'll get all the praise in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, for that message that was convicting people today, and you know you have a plan to bless them even financially in 2023, what we're declaring to be a year of financial wonders in Jesus' name. Speak to them today. Give them an instruction about a seed that's already in their hand and in their house that they can release that would break them into financial overflow in 2023 in the wonderful name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.